go on to the word of God, I think we have to pray for California and uh, San Francisco. We need to pray for these um, cities. The issue is that uh, California is still under some type of lockdown. There severe and San Francisco I think that's where Nancy Pelosi comes from right San Francisco is also see they have a, a church the, the church of Satan there and the mayor who is a lady she actually hates worship of God and the Christ and all that. So now she says that place of worship for Christians and open, a church can open for one person at a time. Yeah, that's why we have to pray. Satan is trying to take dominance over that city. She hates Christ. So they, they open a church and there's only one person that can go to church. No two people, no three people, just one person. So for me, we're going to pray now in the name of Jesus for San Francisco and California. We shut the doors of hell. We stop the influence of Satan. And we pray for the release of the power of God upon these cities. In the name of Jesus, let's pray in the motion. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the power of our turning given unto us that the mention of the name Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. We declare San Francisco, we declare California, we declare all the other states that are still under strict lockdown opened in the name of Jesus. We stop the chains and we break the chains and we stop the hands of the enemy from taking absolute control of all these places by the power of the Holy Ghost. We declare victory over these places. We declare victory over these places. And in the name of Jesus, we speak now. Let there be opening, total opening and freedom for your people in these cities by the power of the Holy Ghost. Total doors open, total opening. In Jesus' mighty name, every restrictions, every restrictions that is influenced by the power of Satan, by the presence of Satan, by the power of evil, we break it off in the name of Jesus. We bind them now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Ah, right now in Jesus' name, settle your word over them. For your word is settled forever. Settle your word. That says that you shall build your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Father, the churches in these cities need opening. They need opening. Therefore, therefore, let there be prevalence of your power. In the name of Jesus, over San Francisco, over California, over Texas. In the name of Jesus, over the states of God that are refusing freedom. In the name of Jesus. Jabo Vande Kabarabo Zen Tebela Hayesh Baharazda. 
Satan, your power is broken over them, over San Francisco, over 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 California, over the state, over over Texas, wherever other state that you are influencing. Your your power is broken, your chains are broken. Oh, you have lost it, you have lost it, you have lost it all. In the name of Jesus, you have lost it all. In the name of Jesus, you have lost it all. The blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus is against you. Bullshit behind them. The blood of Jesus is against you. Dibando, Zante, Leica, Tonja, Lata, Baba, Deca, Velaz, Deba, Jambri, Parais, Dando, Hazda, Ayabahai, Chevelay, Zentebre, Casta, Lahaidosta, Becatonda, Raba, whatever evil plants, evil seed you planted, are dead to their core, to their foundation, to their roots. In the name of Jesus, Lekom, Helhaisa, Lahaisa, Velahaisa, Palosh, in the name of Zarada, Brosha. You have no authority in these places. You have no authority in these places. You have no rule in these places. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for your power has prevailed. Your presence has prevailed in these cities. And Satan has lost the battle as always. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right, praise the Lord. We want to look at the Word of God. Beautiful Word of God. And uh, I want us to look at the two personal ministries of a Christian. Two personal uh, ministry of a Christian. And then, uh, apart from the ministerial callings of God, like some apostles and some are prophets, then the gift of the Holy Spirit, where some become singing ministers and other things, you know, the healing gifts and all of that. There are two personal ministries that God has released upon every child of God because of salvation. So by virtue of salvation, we have been given very serious personal ministries that we are supposed to show forth or exercise them very very important let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 read verse 6 and verse 2 verse 8 
Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 6 to verse 8 I'll read in the TPT and then in the NET that's the New English translation the NET Bible so the TPT first and then we do the NET all right So the TPT says, He raised us up, that is, God raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. Because when you read from this one, then you get to understand the whole picture. But I want to just take something from these two verses. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated. Oh boy. We are now co-seated as one with Christ. Verse 7. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Nothing we did could ever end the salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. Now, this is beautiful. Let me just, let's go to the NET, and then we come back to TPT. The NET says, and he raises up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith. That is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Now, these two translations have been able to open our eyes concerning the salvation that we have received through Christ. The beautiful work of Jesus on the cross and God's intention for which we are saved. And then it's right here. Let me just try to get a TPT. Now, let's read it slowly. He raises up with Christ, the exalted one. God raises up. Now, why is he saying he raises up? The raises up there is connected to what happened with uh, Jesus dying and being raised up. That's what the Bible also says to us that when we got baptized, we were buried. I, 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 I talked about this on the radio yesterday morning. That when we died, it was like Jesus, we were, we were, we were buried together with Jesus. Because he died, but when we also got baptized, 
It was into the death of Jesus that as he was lifted up by the glory of God, he was raised up to death, to, to, from death by the grace of God, by the glory of God. We also have been raised up into the newness of life. So the life we live now, we live it in Christ because our old person has been buried with him. And that is what he's saying here that he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. So Jesus ascended. Remember when Mary wanted to touch him? He said, don't touch me. I have not showed myself to my father yet. And then he went to show himself to the father. When he was doing that, in the, in the mind of God, we were in Christ, presenting our newness of life to him. When he was done and everything, and he was being lifted, and they saw him going through the clouds. But that's what the Bible is saying, that we also ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. What he's saying here is that the authority, the perfection and authority, the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, we have been given access to them. So no longer are we slaves that we cannot access the things of the Spirit. We are there. We are there with Jesus. Wherever He is in the realms of the Spirit, how He is operating in the realms of the Spirit, He has given us that same access to operate like that in the realms of the Spirit. That's why he told them that I've given you the keys of the kingdom. That whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Why? To let us know that we have been given that glorious perfection and authority in the realms of the spirit. So, if anything, darkness, you know we have two realms. We have the realms of light and the realms of darkness. The realms of light is connected to Jesus and the realms of darkness is connected to Satan. We, we, we have prevalence, we have dominance in the realm of the Spirit because of Christ and His salvation given to us. That is the presentation He's given us here. For we are now co-seated. So, Paul said it that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And now he says that we are co-seated as one with Christ. So, as He is seated... At the right hand of the Father, we are also seated at the right hand of the Father. That means that we can talk to the Father directly without looking for a mediator. Jesus has he, Jesus did the work of mediation for us by dying and reconciling us back to God. Now we see ourselves as fruits of redemption, seated with Jesus. So we don't need... That's why Jesus said something to the disciples. He said to them, In that day, you shall ask me nothing, but you shall pray to the Father. And whatever you shall ask in my name. So we are no longer asking God through Jesus. We ask God directly in the name of Jesus. So those who pray through Jesus, they say that this and many others we have asked or we have prayed through Jesus our Lord. It's a wrong prayer. We don't pray through him anymore. Those who are praying through Mary, you know, they say Mary is the mediator. They pray through Mary. It's a wrong kind of understanding because the Bible says that we are co-seated. 
we do not have to talk through Jesus to God the Father. He is now our Father. His Bible says that we are we are heirs with Jesus, joint heirs with Jesus. So if Jesus is the Prince, we are also co-princes with Him. You know, like in program we have the MC, but we have the co-MC. So the two people are MCing the program, and they are co. So they are working together. Bible says that when it comes to the work of the ministry on earth, we are co-liberals with Him. So he's working and we are working with him. We are co-liberals. It's like we, we need each other. It's never true for somebody to say, God doesn't need you. He needs you. That's why he made you and he needs us. That's why he asked Jesus to come and die for us. He needs us. That's why the blood of Jesus, Jesus had to go through what he went through just to make sure that we are able to have total, absolute reconciliation with the Father. Because he needs us just as we need him. But the thing is that we need him more because he knows that he knows more. He has a better view of what we are trying to get to, of where we are trying to get to. But we are conceded. The beautiful work of salvation has brought us to this level where we have the glorious perfection and authority in the realms of the spirit. So, like, you know, people pray and say that, hey, oh, I, 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 you know, I feel that some demons are monitoring me and some um, witches somewhere are monitoring me. Listen, when, when, they, when they take their, their monitoring device, they shouldn't find you. Why? Because the realms they are operating with, you have a higher realm. Where, where they operate from is a realm of darkness. It's a realm of the, of, the, of the defeated devil. You see, whatever the devil is doing on the earth, he can do it by those who allow him to. You see, his work is to attack you. His work is to make sure that you live in confusion. His work is to make sure that you are out of faith. Out of faith means that there is fear. And once he's able to bring in fear into your life, then he can attack every part of your life. But Bible says that we have been given the glorious perfection and authority in the realms of the spirit. So, it just means for us that in the realms of the spirit, we are the, we are the reigning champions. Jesus said, cheer up, I have overcome the world. Cheer up, I have overcome the world. Why did he say that? Because of the finished work on the cross. Praise God. So it says that we are co-seated as one with Christ. You, 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 we, we have an understanding of praising him. When it comes to praising him and thanking him, when it comes to understanding of the, of the presence of the Lord in our lives, we understand because we are co-seated with him. So if I am walking on the earth, I am co-walking with him. Whatever I do on this earth, it is, it is a joint work together. You get it? So, we, we surpass the realm of being monitored. We surpass the realm of being attacked and to fail. We surpass the realm of giving in and giving up. For we are co-seated with Christ. Amen. This is a beautiful work of salvation. Beautiful work of salvation. I'm trying to give understanding of salvation then we can understand why we are given these two personal ministries as Christians. Verse 7, it says, Throughout the coming ages, throughout the coming ages, the coming ages, the ages as the aeons, the coming world, throughout the coming world, throughout the coming world, the coming ages, what happens? He says, we will be the visible display 
of the infinite limitless riches of his grace and kindness we we are the visible so as a child of god you are not just existing you are living you are the visible display throughout the ages throughout generations we are the visible display of his unending infinite unending limitless riches of his grace and kindness which was showered upon us in jesus christ Amen. so the our father the god the father of the lord jesus christ and our father too has showered upon us on end and limitless riches of grace and kindness there is no way god will not answer you there's no way Paul says something. He said, For we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And this he has lavished upon us as his love gift. Amen. This is Romans. Romans 6, I believe. See, God has lavished. And now here in Ephesians, he's using the word showered so showered lavished coming to one understanding is is a pouring a total pouring upon us god has poured upon us an unending riches of grace and kindness he has poured upon us for it was only through the wonderful grace that we believed in him you see Nothing we did could ever end the salvation for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So the salvation we have, it is not by our works. It is the tangible, realistic grace of God, an evidence grace of God that has been a gift given to us. And therefore, Knowing Christ, having Christ, and receiving salvation is a, is, a, is a huge showcase of the glorious love of the Father towards us. And for this matter, Jesus had to die. For this reason, Jesus had to die. That he can open the realms for the Father to pour upon us the totality of his love, his grace, and his kindness. That no other can ever be able to do that except him. And so he did. He poured upon us. He lavished us. He showered us with unending, unending riches of his grace and kindness. And he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Why? Is it because the Father sees us wrapped in Christ? We are wrapped in Christ because of his death and resurrection. So salvation has wrapped us in Christ. And for that fact, it has brought us to a certain level of great work, great responsibility in the supernatural and upon the earth. Now let's look at something from Revelations, the book of Revelation, chapter chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. 
Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. I will read from the King James and then from the CEV, the contemporary English version. So the King James says this. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins into in his own blood. You see how the salvation work happened. He loved us. And he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amen. Six. And had made us. Do you see that? He had what? Made us kings and priests unto God his father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. And then says Amen. Now. Let's catch something from the CEV. The CEV did well with King James. You know, the other translations were trying to give us an understanding, but they didn't get it as detailed as the original scripts in the Greek has it. Verse 6 and 7. Verse 6. Um, let me start from verse 5. And then we move into verse 6 in the CEV. He says, May kindness and peace be yours from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Jesus was the first to conquer death. That means the first begotten. He was the first to conquer death. And he is the ruler of all earthly kings. Christ loves us. And by his blood, he set us free from our sins. Verse 6. He lets us rule as kings. You see? This and King James got it perfectly, at least. He lets us rule as kings and serve God, his father, as priests. To him, the glory and power forever and ever. You see, King James says that, and he has made us kings and priests. This one, he says, he lets us rule as kings and serve the God, God his father as priests. The other translations are trying to, we're trying to say that he, he has made us kingdom of priests. That was, is a bit misleading. Others are also saying that he has made us priests of the kingdom. It's a bit misleading. Now, in the original Greek text, the contents, the, uh, the, the content there, you know, or in the, in the Greek context, he was saying that he has made us king's priests or king priests. King priests. Which is to say that we function as kings and as priests. You see, the word kings there, in the Greek word, he used the word basileus. Basileus, which abstractly or figuratively tries to mean that we rule people who are set forth. To rule as kings. Now, by virtue of salvation, 
by virtue of salvation, by the reason of salvation in Christ, loving us, washing our sins in his own blood. The result of this reconciliation with the Father, the result of this having the glorious perfection and authority in the realm of the Spirit, by reason of being co-seated with Jesus in the heavenly realm, he has made us kings. You see, he lets us rule as kings and then to serve God as priests. So these are the two personal ministries that salvation through Jesus has brought to us. He has, the first one is kings and the second one is priests. We have two personal ministries. The ministries of being kings. The ministry of being kings. And the ministry of being priests. And every child of God is supposed to function in these two. You see, you don't just function in one and leave the other. You see a lot of Christians trying to function in the king, the kingship aspect. And then they leave the priestly aspect of it. Others are also trying to move more into the priestly aspect and they leave out the kings, the, the kingsly or the, the, the kingship aspect of it. We are supposed to function in the two because he has given us the liberty, the authority, the, the perfection of glory to be able to function in these two. So we are going to try to look at the, the kingsly, or the kingship aspect where he says that he has he let us rule as kings. We didn't, we didn't pay for any of this. It's, it's, it's all part of the realistic nature of his love and the power of salvation in the blood of Jesus that we have. That we are able to see ourselves seated with Jesus Christ and that we rule with him and we priest with him. Amen. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. They did well with this translation because... The others were trying to put together something that was a bit difficult. You know, these people that did the translations of the Bible, uh, they are not all um, Holy Ghost filled, let me put it that way. These are scholars of the language. They studied the Latin, they studied the Hebrew, they studied the Aramaic, they studied the Greek, and then they had to translate. So they translate, and sometimes because it's a spiritual issue and they are not spiritual, they try to make it grammatic as possible and understanding as possible as they can. And sometimes in doing that, they even confuse us the more. Because they are not, they were not filled with the Spirit. You see, the original context was, was written, the, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the, the, the sometimes Latin and the Greek were all written by these people who were Spirit-filled. The Bible said that the Scriptures are inspired by the breath of the Holy Spirit. See, by the translators, that's the issue. The scholars who try to translate. We thank God that they try to translate and give us the English version and all that. And we thank God for the Holy Spirit who leads us to, to, to get the real picture of these errors they, they, they make. Because, you know, like Paul told Timothy, he says, study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So how can you rightly and divide this word of truth? You have to study it by the Spirit. See? Then you get a total picture of it. Glory to Jesus. 
Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. I want I want to give a, a good understanding of it. I don't want to rush it. I just don't want to rush it. I want a good understanding. You know. Back to Ephesians chapter 2. Glory to God. And from the TPT. Hmm. Glory to God. And the church of Christ is marching on forever and ever in the name of Jesus. You see, one reason why Satan hates the church, apart from the truth that we speak, Paul, when he was talking to the Thessalonica church, told them that concerning the things to come in the last days, I mean, we're in the last days, but concerning the days of the Antichrist and all that. So the reason why the Antichrist is not in, in, in operation and, and Satan is not showing forth as he wants to show forth, he made a statement. He says, He that let it, until he that let it is out or is gone, the Antichrist cannot show up. Now, he that let it, that means he that lets, he that allows. And we are the ones, the church is the he that let it. We are, we are the one that is, the church is the reason why the Antichrist cannot be in full force. Why Satan cannot show up with the Antichrist. Because we are still here. And until we are out, he cannot be let. That's why he doesn't really like the church. Like the San Francisco issue I was talking about. I think in 1996, a man started a church called the Satanic Church. It was in 96 or something like that. Then he died in 97. Then his wife and his children, his wife and his daughter, and, you know, and the wife, you know, changed it to Church of Satan. You know, but there was uh, um, kind of an argument between the two of them and they split. But she... The daughter took that church of Satan and then gave it the original name her father gave, Satanic Church, right there in San Francisco. And therefore, there's a pure hatred for anything Christ or anything God. And it's rather unfortunate that it has to come to this time where a church is open for one person at a time. He just tell you that don't do it. See, they will not they will not tell you don't do it but with what they are saying you know but I heard the Supreme Court um, stepped into it you know and the mayor this lady is just misbehaving but I believe in the power of God you see we 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 are so hated the church is so hated why because Satan wants to show up with the Antichrist so bad he has set the, he has set the stage the state has been set this COVID thing or whatever is, has has been happening, H one N one whatever these things are all dressed rehearsal to see how they can take over the world. And I'm telling you, with this COVID, you can see that it's very easy for them to take over the world. They, all they had to do was to put fear in people, including some Christians. See how the people just you know. But we thank God 
for the fact that the church will continue to be empowered until the time is up where Jesus shows up and we go with him. Glory to God. Now, in this Ephesians chapter 2, let's try to take it from verse 1. You know, to, I want the clarity of understanding so that when we move into the other things, they will be quite easy for us to understand clearly. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Um, I like their choice of words and the clarity of the context they gave than the other translations. And for this reason, we are using the TPT. The NET and the CEV did also a great job with what they tried to do. So back to Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 1. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. He says that in his fullness fills you. You see, when you were studying the, were studying the scriptures, also pay attention to words. He started verse 1 by saying, end. Which means he was saying some things before. But we are in chapter 2, verse 1. It doesn't mean he's making a fresh statement. He is continuing from what was in chapter 1. And the last verse in chapter 1, you know, which is verse 23. He says, and now in, in, in chapter 1, verse 23, and now there's another end. So he kept talking, you know, from chapter 1 verse 1 he says dear friends then you know that he has started he was starting afresh by salutation dear friends now remember that in the original context there are no chapters and there are no verses but for the sake of accountability reference and memory and um, you know memory stuff they they divided these things into chapters and verses to make it more organized so in 23 verse the 23rd verse in chapter 1 he says and now we his church and his body on on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it that's another beautiful thing to talk about then he moved on to say and his fullness fills you you catch it his fullness the fullness of christ fills you so you are loaded on your inside by the fullness of the spirit of god his fullness feels even though you were once like corpses dead in your own sins and offenses we were dead in our own sins and in our own offenses and then he says but his fullness fills you his you know in when you study the epistles of paul he knows how to bring arguments. He, he argues with logical understanding with the supernatural by virtue of um, revelations. And then he tries to make the reader understand that the, the, the level or the purpose of this argument, okay, 
is to is to make sure that the mind and understanding of logic reasoning has no impact in the truth of Christ. So those who try to use science, you know, science and and um, history and other things, other ideologies, just to make sure that they they debunk the truth of the gospel. He he brings such an argument to shut them up. For example, Nancy Pelosi said, we are praying and the answer to our prayer is science. Yeah. She said the answer to our prayer is science. How can science be an answer to a spiritual thing? You see, so these are people who pretend and the thing is that everybody prays. It depends on which worship you are in. So her prayer is to which God, we don't know. But she's making it like a Christian prayer. Just we pray and the answer to our prayer is science. How can you pray to God for science to be the answer? You see how logically speaking, it's so beautiful how she put it. Because the reality is that science will show the, 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 the solution to the virus. So we are praying for science to answer to us. It sounds so nice, logical reasoning. Logically reasoning is so, sounds so nice. But weighing it in the, in the realms of the spirit, you see totality of absolute stupidity. To come up from a woman of her age. So you see the deception that is easily offered to the masses is a mass deception deliberate leading of the masses into deception in the name of politics in the name of we care about the american people we care about the people and so that's how it's supposed to be you know, it's a shame that when you study, all those who try to shut humanity off their rights started doing so when they were getting old. Most of them got very old. Then they wanted to change the whole system before they leave. Why? Because from, from their youth, from when they began to be connected to sources of demonic or wild, evil influences, they were, they were being groomed and trained till the perfect time. And when they see they are, they are old and they are about to check out of this world, they try to fix it. Look at this Bill Gates guy. Look at him. He's very old now. Look at the Fauci guys and all these people. These are, these are old guys who are supposed to leave a legacy. But the legacy they want to leave is a legacy of evil and to set the stage. And most of them don't even know they are being influenced by Satan. Why? He has got a hold over their greed. And that's why we pray for their dead so quickly. Because greed is connected to rebellion. And rebellion, as the Bible says, that is also a sin of witchcraft. You know, where they have gotten to, you don't pray for repentance for them. They have killed souls. They have, they have shed innocent blood. And look, you see, their end is so 
it's so painful because the Bible has opened their end to us. I made a presentation here not too long ago and I spoke of their end. I spoke of their end. I, I mentioned Isaiah chapter 10. In my presentation here, <laughs> hmm. Isaiah chapter 10 from verse 1 to verse 4. I read this on, on my Facebook Live presentation from the Net Bible, the NET. It says, Those who enact unjust policies are as good as dead. You can't pray for repentance for them. They are as good as dead. Those who are always instituting unfair regulations to keep the poor from getting fair treatment and to deprive the oppressed among my people of justice so they can steal what the widows own and loot what belongs to orphans. He says, what will you do on judgment day? It's here. When destruction arrives from a, a distant place, to whom will you run for help? He says, when this destruction arrives from a distant place. So that's for us to know that these guys' destruction will come. And there's no way they can run out of it. So, you know, we might want them to, you know, something bad to happen to them right now because we prayed. But listen, God is so perfect and artistic when it comes to punishing these people. He says that, what will you do on judgment day? So, your day of judgment will come. <coughs> and he says, when destruction arises from a distant place, to whom will you run for help? I like when he said, when, because it will come, definitely, their destruction will come. And it says that it will come from a distant place. That means where they did not perceive their destruction will come from. Because now, look at our own governor who has signed um, an executive order. And he said that if you don't wear the nose mask, you are, you are going to be fine, right? So, imagine there's a poor person, a widow, whatever. And then this person has been caught not wearing a mask. What are you going to do? You are still going to find the person. So you see, you are looting what the widows own. You are oppressing the poor from getting their justice. Because you know the truth. And the truth about the thing you are asking people to put on. You know the truth. That this is going to affect their immunity. You know it. So you are enacting unfair. You are enacting policies that are unjust. And you are instituting unfair regulations. He said, you the disaster will come. When will you run to? And I have prayed. They have ended their political careers. All of them. He says, when, where, where will you leave your wealth? Where? Verse 4. You have no place to go except to kneel with the prisoners. Or to fall among those who have been killed. Despite all this, his anger does not subside. And his hand is ready to strike again. I read this on Facebook on my live presentation. And I'm happy I did it. Because you see, God will deal with them. And we just have to announce it to them. 
Oh, glorious Jesus. I like the word that, is it Andre? Is it Andre or who sang it? It says, God has spoken. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. Let the church say amen. We will see. We will see their destruction. It's so nasty. It's so nasty. You see, when is it Nero? He ordered the behead, beheading of Paul. That's how Paul died. He was in the sixties and he was beheaded. The question is, where is he? This wicked person who says behead him. Where is he? When they were pursuing Isaiah, and there are two stories to his death. They said that he was running. He hid himself between two trees. You know, a tree that has you know two, you know. And they told the king he is hidden the tree. And the king gave an order: cut the tree. And so they cut through him. And the other story is also that they actually arrested him, tied him up on a bar, and they cut him into two. People have come into this world and have showed great wickedness. Where has their end been? Where? The question is, where are they? Yeah. And you see, wherever they are, definitely they are in hell waiting for the judgment day. There's, there's no change of mind wherever they are at this time. What the Germans do, did to the Jews, you plan the impeachment of a president. At the same time, release a virus and accuse them for not acting on time. Ah, all right. So, back to Ephesians 2, verse 1. It says, we are filled with the fullness of Christ. Verse 2. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. He showed, he shows us here the authority of Satan. He says, he has the dark authority that rules in this earth and he has filled almost everywhere 
see see why this world john said that i saw a new heaven and a new jerusalem a new earth the time will come after the rapture and then the Armageddon war where jesus and the saints that got raptured and others who died in the lord will battle the enemy and conquer satan he shall be cast into the lake of fire with the, with the antichrist and with the false prophet and all the people that you know disobeyed christ in the, in, and bible says that satan shall be bound for a thousand years and for that thousand years there shall be a new earth and jesus and us will be here for that thousand years be, before you know other things will happen the, satan will be released again after a thousand years you know and then the final judgment will come that is where we are out of here into our paradise yeah so we shall be in heaven we will come for the Armageddon war conquer satan the antichrist everybody and bible says that there shall be a new world order not this one that we are planning where jesus shall be the light of the world and the nations will come and bow to him and we shall be seated with him there shall be no light no night no darkness for he shall be the light of the whole world oh what a beautiful time thousand years glory to god but for now the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with authority and works diligently in the house of those who are disobedient to the truth of god and anybody who is disobedient to the truth of God is opening up in, to, to, to arrogance, to greediness, to anything that is contrary to the fruits of the Spirit. And these are the people Satan is able to use. And unfortunately, they find themselves in high places. They have the money, these people. They have the money. See, this is what we have. But in spite of all this, he says we are filled with the fullness of Christ. Why? Because we are not disobedient to the truth. Three, the corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds detected. Living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like anyone else but God still loved us with such great love he is so rich in compassion and mercy even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace Amen. you see the beauty of God these are, these are scriptures that when you read, you don't need anybody to tell you about God. This is God right here looking at you and I. In this beautiful scripture, it's a beautiful choice of words by Paul as he was led by the Spirit of God to write this letter to the Ephesian church. In such a world of corruption, where our minds dictate our cravings and the things we should do for our self-life. says, God still loved us. Such great love. He loved us with such great love. And he says, 
He's so rich in compassion and mercy. <sighs> Even when we were dead in our and doomed in our own, in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ. And saved us by his wonderful grace. So salvation is a projection of the Father's love that he has given to us. My question is, why is it free? Why is it free? Why is it free? Because this is an expensive thing. Glory to God. He united us into the very life of Christ. So we are united into the life of Christ. That's why it says we are wrapped in Christ. We are united. There is no separation. That's why he was asking that what, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, is it hunger? Is it persecution? Is it, is it, is it nakedness? He says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Why? We are so united into the life of Christ. Like Paul puts it, he says, we are members of his bones and of his flesh. God doesn't have bones and flesh. Why does he say we are members of his bones and flesh? It just is telling us how we are entangled, intertwined with him when it comes to his very life and nature. Inseparable. The only thing that can separate us is our thoughts, our mind. The dictates of our mind. As to what we should do day by day or rather draw as close to God or far from him then he started going deeper in verse 6 and said he raised us up with Christ the exalted one and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of heavenly realm. Amen. I don't know how Christians see themselves, but in the in the mind of God, we are so perfected. Amen. Why? Because we are in Christ, and Christ is perfect. You see, remember I didn't mention. There's something he did mention here. I want to draw your mind to it. He has raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. He didn't say with Jesus. Right? He said with what? Christ. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Why didn't he say Jesus? And now, 
for them not to be confused he brought he bring them to this understanding verse 7 throughout the coming ages we will be the visible display of the infinite limitless riches of his grace and kindness which was showered upon us in jesus christ now he brings jesus but the christ is part of it now why christ and why is jesus mentioned here with his christ added to it it's for us to understand this christ is the epithel of the character of jesus you see christ is it means the anointed one the messiah Jesus is that person who came with the name Jesus. And by virtue of what he did, he has been given that name and is above every name. In fact, he said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. So the name Jesus has been given authority. Okay? But Christ, meaning the anointed one, the Messiah, shows us the character of this person with the name Jesus. That he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah, the Savior. And by his works, by his character we are connected to him by his character by his anointing so he says that he raised us up with christ that means with the messiah with the anointed one so christ here was chosen for us to have a broad a broad understanding of the fact that jesus whom we thought was an ordinary man trying to say he was a son of god and whatever showed forth the will of God for his life as Christ. God's will for Jesus was to be the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. He was anointed to be the Messiah. Do you catch it? He was anointed to be the Savior. Now, his character has now become a place. So, very simple. If somebody is from Ghana, the person is what? A Ghanaian. From Nigeria, is what? A Nigerian. From Christ, is a Christian. So, it gives the picture that, 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 that Christ, which is the character of Jesus, is a dwelling place now. For what he did, he has opened up the realms. So, the realms where we are is called the Christ realm. That Christ realm is a place of his character where... We are saved by the manifestation of his messianic nature. Is it clear? Yeah. yeah. That's why he keeps saying Christ. For us to understand that, yeah, he goes beyond the son of Joseph. He goes beyond that. Glory to God. And we are now co-seated. Oh. Hmm. So the question is, why do you have a lot of Christians who think different of themselves? They think different of themselves. As in, negative of themselves. They see negativity so much in themselves, so much that they see it in others. Because if this is what we are, and we meet as Christians in a church, the energy should be different. If you meet a Christian outside, the energy should be different. 
But these days, it's like the energy is as the same as the unbeliever. Why? Mentality. Mindset is a problem. Mindset. So Paul tackled that issue of mindset. Because you see, this thing didn't just start in our days. So. <sighs> Starting the days of old. Let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We do, we do we do one and two just two now let me give you King James and I will give you the passion translation that's what King James says in Romans 12 verse 2 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Why? Because of the demonic rulership and the lustfulness of this world. Even Jesus said, You are in this world, but you are not of this world. So he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a lot to talk about that, but just let's not even try it. <laughs> TPT. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God to be sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. See how they put it. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. He says, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. That means through the Holy Spirit. So be inwardly transformed through the Holy Spirit, through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. He closes the doors of this world on us by saying that, Come out of the system of the world, the cultures of this world. Be inwardly transformed by the help of the Holy Spirit through 
a total reformation of how you think. So the problem is how we think. The boundary between us and having the totality of Christ manifested in us is our thinking. How we think. There's something they say, you are what you eat. Right? But I think the right thing is you are what you think. Because whatever you are eating, you thought about it. So you are what you think. You become what you think. And this is a perfect picture. Just be transformed. Be transformed. By the renewal of your mind. By the reformation of how you think. Change how you think. If you can see good, a lot of good in yourself, you see a lot of good in others. You see? First, before their actions will tell you a different thing. Of course, are, the actions of people will tell you a different thing about them. But you see them in absence of their action, see good, until the reflection of their thinking shows up through their action. Then you see the kind of people they are. The cultures of this world. Who introduced the cultures of this world? It was in Christ. It was in God. The only culture, one of the cultures that Jesus introduced to the people, Bible says, as 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 it was his culture, he was always seen in the synagogue. It means the culture of Jesus was going to church. <laughs> Which culture? This world hates. They hate it. That was his culture, to go to church, to go to the synagogue. He liked reading the scriptures in the synagogue. He liked it so much. And then he liked talking about the scriptures in the synagogue. It was his culture. He dared not to say he didn't, he's not going to go to church. He went to church. That's one of the cultures he showed. And then other culture, praying. He showed the culture of praying. So the cultures of this world, who 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 enacted them? It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. That's why we see a lot of religion creeping into the houses of God by virtue of culture. By virtue of culture. For example, in some cultures, they dance with shaking their waist a lot. And anytime you are shaking your waist in dancing, that means you are also shaking your bumps, right? So imagine that the cultural dances in the various ethnicity of this world are brought into the church. Most of the men will go home with a lot of premature ejaculations. They will go home with their pants wet. Why? Because the cultural dancing of the women shaking their waist and their bums were shaking, rendered them to come without apologies. <laughs> yeah. See it? And then sometimes in some churches they do it. Cultural day. So you dress, you know. They do these things just to 
create some entertainment or fun for the people so that they will not be bored in the church of doing the same thing. You see, it's so funny. So you have to dress in the African way, whatever culture you have, and then come and show forth. And then they, you bring a cultural song, you dance, you know, in a cultural way. And that is where the high temptation starts. When the women start doing their thing and in some of the cultures in Nagana, you have to do that tofu. You have to wear your back heavily. And imagine they are wearing their backs heavily. Already, maybe this person already has a huge back and has added extra in the name of cultural, you know, appearance and is shaking this thing. This is when the prayer warriors might begin to fast for the pastor himself. <laughs> and therefore, it's so sad. Is this stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you? Say, stop it. It's, it's, it's serious. Hmm. And they try to, you know, but I say Jesus took advantage of culture. And anytime there was a cultural event, whatever event there was, he took advantage of it to show forth the power of the kingdom. And that is what we should also try. See, even here in America, Halloween is highly esteemed than Christmas. Where people disguise themselves and sometimes they dress like demons. Why would you celebrate something that scares people? It's a spread of fear. It's a season of spread of fear. And anything that has fear in it doesn't have anything to do with God. It's purely demonic. And then they, they, they come to your doorstep and they ask you, trick or treat? Who tricks? <laughs> we have to be wise. They have to be wise. Remember in Ghana, we have this season where people used to dress in certain... Like a masquerade. Yeah. I think it's in even Nigeria and other places. It's around Christmas time. Then children start running, people start oh, yeah. running to hide. Um, yeah. Some piss on themselves. Even some adults are also scared. You see? And the question is, what do you get out of it? This is not entertainment. To you who is carrying the people, you are entertaining yourself. But the, the people who are getting scared. So you see, there are all seasons of... These are the, this, let, let me call this the African disguise Halloween movement. Where people are scared. I think even now in Africa, they're trying to introduce those Halloween things. Yeah. Yeah. Now you go to the stores and you're seeing these things and you're like, okay... Halloween is in. And see, the enthusiasm of the people. And what hurts me is the Christian aspect of it. The Christians who are also enthusiastic, they are so zealous with Halloween. And they bring their children into this thing and then they love it. They can't just, they plan ahead of time for Halloween. The ideals and opinions of the culture around you is a stop imitating stop imitating why why should these things be
like Paul says, he said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. He says, let this mind be in you as it was in Christ. We should have the mind of Christ. And that is how he says that through the Holy Spirit, we are able to reform the way we think. Let's have our communion. And it's time for us to go. God bless this word in our hearts. Amen.